When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Good afternoon and welcome everybody. This would be the Jeff Cameron Show right here on 83.3. That'd be 93.3, not little little three. Real Talk Radio and War Chant TV on a Balls Wednesday. It is great to be with you. Appreciate you joining us. I'm Jeff. That's Tom. Director Matthew in the booth with the camera work. And uh, on Twitter, it's at Jay Cameron Show. Good to have you. Good to be with you. Good to see you on the chat as well. Oh, that much closer. Man. Uh, it was just a short time ago. I was over at practice watching the team prepare. And I, I I could tell they're they're excited about football, but me being at that practice got me more excited. I think because they had to do real physical work. I I just had to observe, and so not being exhausted caused me to to get excited about playing football. I'm not playing anything, but I there I was thinking, oh, I'm ready to go. Those guys were sucking wind. I was like, oh, it's good. We're, we should be get going here. Let's go. So I've got. <laughs> I thought channel that into this. Channel that into the show on a Balls Wednesday and get get excited about football. I am, of course, and I think, uh, you know, I just want to reiterate something. I know we're kind of, it, it's it's forbidden of us to get too in-depth, certainly, with, you know, whether formations and, and different packages with, uh, you know, which players are where and all that good stuff, and they don't really want us to talk too much about quarterback competition reps and things like that. You know, I mean, who got more reps and who did that? So I'm not going to do that. But, uh, but uh, you know, our observations are our, our observations within reason, right? I, and I think this is just a, a, a general observation. I know Ira's made it as well, but I, over time I've continued to, to be impressed by it. And I want to see it translate. It, it, it has to translate in a game, preferably this Sunday night. What is it? You're killing me. I'm just so I feel like a dad in a weird way. I'm just so proud of Jordan Travis, man. He is he's a different looking player, and I just want it to work for him. I agree with Ira. You know, listen, it's I, it's about winning games, and it's about you know making these plays in games. Uh, but when you see people work hard, and and really work hard to improve themselves and get better in areas in which they're weak, and you you, it's a noticeable difference. A, a really clear difference from just a year ago. Uh, he just throws the ball so much better than he did. And and I'm talking about all the throws. I'm talking about strong arm throws. I'm talking about throws in traffic, throws in rhythm. 
hit your back foot and let it fly. I'm talking about fades. I'm talking about bucket throws. I'm talking about the touch to the flats. I'm talking about all the throws. They're so much more accurate than they used to be. They're in rhythm. He looks like, you know, if you if you had never seen him play before and you walked out there to watch practice and you watched all of our quarterbacks throw the ball, you wouldn't go, uh, that kid's got a ways to go. And I did do that a year ago. I kept doing that when I would watch him. I'd think, hmm. You know, he does so many other things well, but, man, I'm going to really need him to throw the ball better. And you just don't say it now. When you watch him throw, he fits right in there as a passer. So I don't know if that's going to translate when the lights come on and it's real speed, real time, real opponent, more importantly, who has game planned for you, your strengths and weaknesses, and what they're going to try to get you away from doing. Are you able to still stay within yourself and make those throws comfortably? Uh, are you going to be able to pre-snap read what you need to read and get the ball out on time and rhythm so that this passing offense gets better and better and better as we go along? Uh, I, I don't know if that's going to happen. It might. It might. I sh- but I will say this. If, if practice is any indicator, he's come a real long way as a passer of the football. It's been an interesting thing to document because you go back to both of the quarterbacks appearing in Charlotte at the ACC kickoff. And Jordan Travis' approach there was completely humble. Mackenzie Milton was the star of the show, uh, especially, you know, you have offensive representatives and defensive representatives, but there was a huge media scrum around Mackenzie Milton. Sure. And there was an okay-sized scrum around Jordan Travis. But he said it would be a blessing to be on the field at the same time as Mackenzie Milton, and he just felt like Jordan was okay with whatever the developments were between spring and summer camp, PRPs, player-run practices. That, you know, maybe it's McKenzie's gig, like, period. And then I'm going to work my way in there. But then from that point, when you actually get to fall camp and the reps are there, and the live reps are there in minimal circumstances, but you get scrimmage opportunities, all he's done is put his head down and get better and better and better. The one thing he said in Charlotte that stuck out to me was the one time where he, he stuck up for himself was he said, you know, it's funny. Everybody talks about me as a runner, but coming out of high school, nobody talked about me as a runner. It was always about my arm. They said, could you run? They were asking questions. Could you do it? And now here I am on the precipice of 2021 fall camp, and nobody's thinking that I can throw the ball anymore. They think, well, he's a runner. But, you know, once upon a time, I was recruited as a thrower of the football. So and that's the thing that he's been working on, and, and it's great to hear and, and see it in limited time that I have in practice as well. That he has refined his game as a thrower of the football. Yeah, and you just got to do it in a game now. You got to do it when they know you got to throw, and you got to do it into tight windows, and you got to do it on obvious passing downs. You know, that the good throwing quarterbacks, third and seven, they get that converted, they hang tall in the pocket, you know, they wait for it to come open, they make an accurate throw, and they take a hit. Uh, you know, I, I, maybe he can, maybe he can't. We'll see. I'm rooting for him, though, because the, it's very evident that he's put a lot of work into it. He's just put a lot of time into it. You know, I'm going to give you a general observation of the practices I've been to. There are others on this staff, Warchant.com staff. It's a deep staff, very talented staff. Uh, that that group that has been there more often than me, um, just for timing of it, uh, Iris, I've been, I think, been at every practice. He would be the guy uh, in this regard. But I would say that uh, in the practices that I've been to, and especially since they, you know, started donning the pads and getting after it for real and all of that, I think that this is a a group that has a little edge to it. That uh, last year's group did not. It was a lot of false bravado. Last year's group, I think, tried to fake their way into being tough. 
tried to fake their way into uh, a form of arrogance uh, that did not come through uh, making plays and the confidence that is born out of success. I, I think they tried to – it was almost cheapened, and I think that's why we didn't like watching them because uh, they weren't what they uh, attempted to be uh, through their body language and their post-play antics, pre-game you know, pre stuff, and, and, and that – that doesn't fly right. That nobody likes that, especially not in a physical game like football, where you just have to earn it. You know, you've got to earn it. You got to show that you're tough. Nobody minds brash when it's earned. Nobody minds somebody being a, a little uh, full of themselves if they're steady out there making plays, taking on players. You know, having a, a willingness to sacrifice their body um, to come up and lay the wood. And tell you about a little bit that it's going to be an all day sort of thing. Nobody minds that if you're the real deal because football, we get it. It's a gladiatorial sport. Uh, it's not for the faint of heart, and there is a lot of um, uh, bravado that is necessary to play the game of football. Uh, y- you can't be soft. You can't be timid. You can't be reluctant, uh, and and you can't um, you can't be singular either because it is the ultimate team game. So. If you're all these things, if you are tough and you show that and you are a team player and you lay it on the line and you're at practice and you do, hey, man, you want to tell somebody about it? You've earned it. That's a hard game to practice and it's a hard game to play. But when we recognize in our own team that they're anything but those things, then watching them lose is hard enough, but watching them lose while engaging in that behavior is impossible. This group has put in a lot of work, and they're a little edgy. they got some guys. Jermaine Johnson's one of them. They've got some guys that will talk to you a little bit, but they're out there doing the work, and they have the the physical tools to back it up. And I think you're going to like that, and I, I hope, again, that that translates because they're going to have to be tough on Sunday night. There are matchups, Tom, on the schedule where I, where I would say finesse would work, that you could spread them out, dink and dunk, and your athleticism, make plays after the catch, all that sort of stuff. Uh, could work, and and you could get away defensively uh, with playing a whole lot of dime, and and not have to be uh, men in the trenches outside of the front four, you know. And and but this isn't that game. This isn't that game. This game is going to be an overly physical game. That's what Notre Dame is going to bring to the table. Yeah, in a way, Notre Dame is trying to establish that identity all over again, too, because you've got four new starters in the offensive line and a new defensive coordinator who's going to be implementing his system. So, in a weird way, even though Notre Dame has been rather consistent, not amongst the top four or five halves in college football. They've been represented in the college football playoff a couple of times, but it's not like they're Alabama, Clemson, Ohio State level. No. But even though they've had that consistency over the last five or six years, you've got a lot of guys who have something to prove you got a new quarterback who's trying to establish himself, the offensive lineman. Obviously, Kyron Williams is going to be a featured player in that offense this year. And then the way that Marcus Freeman moves his linebackers around and makes his fronts multiple, there's a lot of auditions going on in this first game. So they're going to be motivated to make their own statement. Sometimes you could catch a veteran team in this spot going through the motions. See the 2014 Knowles. They knew how good they were. Most everybody was back, so they might not have had that hunger. Notre Dame is going to have that hunger just solely because of all the attrition that's happened. And you're right. I agree that for us, our side of the equation, there is an edge to this team. I think the sad thing about last year, among many other things, but football-wise, they might have built to a place where they were real tough, like actually tough, 
But once they had to go home after a few spring practices, all the momentum that was building towards what could have been a good fall with with bad habits being stamped out and good habits being formed, they never got that chance. So when they came back, they were the same thing they were under Willie. That's the, the there's no doubt. That's sort of the unknown. Um, how far can a team come? Because we never had we've never had a year like we had a year ago, so we don't know what to compare it to. Ordinarily, you can look back at a at a team's history, if, especially if you have a depth of knowledge about your own team. Let's say Florida State, right? So I could find a year. Ordinarily, if trying to point to an example where they were exceptionally young and they were reliant on freshmen and an inordinate amount of freshmen all over the field to have a good year. And I could point to the ebbs and flows of that season and say, you know, it wasn't until week six where they really began to figure it out because they were so young and then you watch them take off. Or you could find a year in which they were, you know, reliant on speed because they were the fastest team in the country and they weren't as physical because they just wanted to, to outrun you. And then there were years, that, but we've never had a year like we had a year ago where a team quite frankly, just didn't even get, with a new coaching staff, any amount of time to practice and install and change who they were. So when you don't get that, and then you do enter finally into the season, one in which it was in question whether or not it was either going to be played, circumstances are impossible, and it looked like it. It looked like it not just for Florida State. A lot of teams looked awfully strange. They did not look like themselves, and from week to week you had starters missing, you had guys you know, some guys decided right from the get-go, right from the jump, I'm not going to play. I, I, I'm going to opt out. I don't, I don't know what to tell you. I don't feel comfortable. And then other guys who did were never really settled in. And then there were guys that just, you know, because they didn't get that hands-on physical day-in, day-out practice like you have to play on defense because we didn't have enough bodies, you know, they, they didn't react real well when the, when the lights came on and the game started. So I, I don't know the answer to the question having that. Having a spring, having sort of flipped this roster and gotten some kids out of here who weren't bought in, having a year together with the with with Coach Storms and putting in the work and and the right nutrition, not being sent home to fend on your own and try to figure it out, but having you know the the right meals every day, the right workouts in place, and then having these practices and this time together, um, you know, does that mean you go from looking a certain way to a radical shift in what can be expected both in win totals and overall quality of play? I think the answer is to varying degrees, yes. The answer is yes. You can expect them to look and play a lot better because all these things have happened. But I think where we're debating, you, me, and every other FSU uh, fan, is is how much does that translate on the field in the way of wins? What's reasonable? We keep coming back to that question. What's reasonable? Because they are still thin and they have not been able to flip this roster. You can't in one season. So we know they got to hold on to this recruiting class because you begin to rapidly raise the floor where good coaching can take hold with better players, and then results come. Yeah, I think the mental toughness thing is that's an easy one. You can change that radically overnight. Just think about the Memphis players last year that were openly clowning FSU players as the season was going on saying, oh, man. They are nothing like we were. This is not the Norvell program that I know. This is not, you know, let give him time, Tallahassee. Remember those messages? They were, they were like that. Man, th- these guys don't have the dog in them like we did at Memphis for Coach Norvell. If they just listen to him, they're going to get to a different place. And in reviewing those Memphis teams, even though they were one of the group of five party crashers for a New Year's Six Bowl, 
they weren't that good, man. I mean, like, Coxie was a nice player. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, Antonio Gibson certainly plays on Sundays, and when he's healthy, he's a dynamic football player. But it's not like they were littered in there too deep with a bunch of guys that could go toe-to-toe with a top-five team, like a real top-five, power-five football team. Well, for starters, they didn't play very good defense. but They had a mentality about them, though. They did have that mentality. Even though they weren't that great of a football they team, they were tough, yeah. They were tough, and they found a way to be in games. My number one takeaway, I told this to Iris, so what did you find after we discussed doing the project on Marcus Freeman versus Mike Norvell in 2019? I said, part of me wonders how the hell Memphis won those games. I don't know how they did. Because if you look at the trenches, offensively speaking only, Memphis is outgunned, and yet they produce. They found a way to make plays. That is also belief. It's not just scheming from a coaching staff. It's belief that even though you go three and out a few times in a row, you're going to find a way. We've got to create that belief, too. Yeah, but that comes with a little bit of success. I used this week to bring up the example time and again about Nebraska's lacking a lot of things, and Nebraska's been the talk of the town not just here, but a college football, because that was the most meaningful game that was played over the weekend. It was the first taste of college football, and they failed miserably going into year four with Scott Frost, and people thought, really, this is the same broken record. But he again, I bring up what he said in the postgame. People are focused on uh, the rather brazen approach to admitting that you had no idea what uh, to expect or that you expected one thing and got quite another and failed to adapt. Uh, that is... That's something to admit to in a press conference uh, as, a, as a head coach in question. Uh, but that said, it took away from something else that he said that I believe is wholeheartedly applicable to Florida State, Mike Norvell, and this team. And that is you have to have some success to gain that confidence and belief that you're talking about that you can make plays even in the midst of adversity when things are going wrong and you're trailing on the scoreboard and the frustration is mounting. But to stay the course and trust that what you've done is going to pay off and that, you know, maybe not this series, maybe not this quarter, but give it time and believe and continue to try to execute, play the next play. I say this to my kids all the time. Yes, it's not original from me. I got it from Jimbo who talked about it incessantly. He used to say to me when we would do their Sunday evening interviews together, the hardest thing when I got here was to tell these kids, don't worry about that, play the next play. Now, sometimes it's easier said than done even for a coach because he would oftentimes dwell on a mistake and yell at a kid all the way over to the sideline. But it's also easier to deliver that message uh, to freshman LaMarcus Joyner. Yes. You know? Yeah. Like, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Even if it's not resonating Having in the, the moment, player, yeah. he can still get there. Yeah. But, you know, when you've had a lot of setbacks and when you've gone through a ton of adversity and you set about to make change, think about it in your personal life. Think about it for anybody that's ever lost or gained weight or, or got stronger or whatever they want to try to do. Maybe it was a work project that uh, you were overwhelmed, the technology, whatever it might have been, and you sat down to learn it. And, and, you know, there are fits and stops and starts and like, oh, I get, oh, I remember that. Oh, we do this. But then many years later, you just have a tacit understanding of how to do it. And if something goes wrong, you don't freak out. You go, oh, yeah, well, the, oh, you know what? That happened about a year ago. All you got to do is this, 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 and this, and it'll fix it. Well, you didn't get there overnight. That took time, and you had to have done some things well along the way to garner the confidence necessary in that moment when the whole thing hits the fan to go, we're all right, we're all right. You need some things to go well. And I just hope they have some things go well early. Uh, that because I do think that this will be also something this team needs throughout the course of this year, given the lack of quality depth. 
They're going to need, Tom, I was telling you before we started the show today, I, I feel like this team, not every team is this way, by the way. Yes, it's preferable, what I'm about to say, but not every team needs to win this way. But I think Florida State has to, to get out to leads in these games because what teams are going to do if they get a lead on Florida State, they're going to play physical, run downhill, and they're just going to beat you up because they possess the lead, now they're going to run the football, and they're going to wear you out. And I also don't think this team's built to come back from being down a few scores because they don't have explosive playmakers. So you can't flip the scoreboard quickly. These are going to be time-consuming 8-15 to 15 play drives that they're going to have to score. So Florida State isn't the type of team that is explosive and can just change the scoreboard in a play or two. Now, they have a guy here and there. One of them is Jordan Travis with his feet. But you got to put him in harm's way a lot, though. You do, and I, I just think you you got to get – I'm not saying, you know, obviously, everybody would like to be up 21 to nothing. You can do anything you want at that point. But I, I'm saying even just getting out to a, a, a three to nothing lead, something like that, a little bit of confidence, all right, put something together, got some points on the board. Because now if you get down and it's seven to three, seven to three, what's seven to three? It's no big deal. It just feels different than if you're down 10 to nothing. What does this group do? What do they do? Are they, are they looking around like, again – you know this. I've asked it every day this week. I asked it every day last week. It's it's something that I need to see, and it may be that they're a lot tougher than I'm giving them credit for. Maybe that they are the team that doesn't fret when that happens. There's one reason potentially that they might not look around like the groups in the past. There's been so much turnover. There's been so much attrition from even two seasons ago. You think about all the transfers that are in mm -hmm. here at each mm -hmm. key position. I listed them a couple weeks ago, but look at every segment group, and you can find a transfer, a position change, or somebody that they're leaning on who's in his first or second year in the program. I don't think this is last year's situation in which your leadership structure is holdovers from even way back to the Jimbo era. Mm -hmm. you know, you've got some guys that were here under Willie. Okay, that's fair. But if you're looking at the leadership structure, defensive line, your two ends are transfers, right? Uh, your two corners potentially at any given moment. Now, Travis J may obviously be on the field an awful lot are going to be either transfers or Kevin Knowles is going to be out there. So you got a lot of the bodies, minimum, probably four or five on the field at a given time, that are kind of new to this thing here at Florida State. Mm -hmm. They don't know about the problems of three or four years ago. On the offensive line, DLT and, and, and Gibbons, your two guards are transfers. Uh, your quarterback, Jordan Travis, in a way, is still kind of a transfer. Uh, receiver, Andrew Parchment, a transfer. You see what I'm well, going? But that's good and bad, though, too, because that lacks a cohesive togetherness that you get by coming up together from the same recruiting class. Better than a poison culture, though. That's I think true. it's preferable to a poison culture. That's true. Let me answer this question before we go to break, because you're wrong, Woody. Uh, he writes, you don't know if they're explosive or not. We haven't seen them play a down. Oh, sure, I've seen them play plenty of downs. Just saw them play a bunch of them today at practice when I watched every down. So, uh, no, no, I know whether or not they're explosive, and they're not. Uh, but that said, by the way, is that they do have some explosive players. There are a few. But when we're talking about teams that are electrifying offensively and you think about the scoreboard and the numbers they put up, no, Florida State does not compare favorably to those teams. They have not been able to recruit to raise the floor to the level where they have uh, an excess of explosive game-changing players on offense. They're not explosive in the backfield. They're okay. They've got a guy or two that we think can make big plays. Same goes for receiver, but not a depth of that. It's Jeff Cameron, 93.3 Real Talk Radio and War Chant TV.
Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back guaranteed because with ebay motors you're burning rubber not cash with all the parts you need at the prices you want it's easy to make your car the mvp and bring home huge wins keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com eligible items only exclusions apply Jeff Cameron Show, 93.3 real talk radio and war chant tv as well as uh uh, Twitter, if you want to reach out that way too, at Jay Cameron Show. Very quickly, thanks, Eric, as always, Whoa! brother. I do appreciate it, man. Those guys in the chat that uh, throw a little cash our way from here, uh, from time to time, uh, help us uh, do do what we need to be able to do, at least in terms of production and and other stuff. So. Uh, we do appreciate that, uh, and I wanted to at least acknowledge you. Uh, really quickly, acknowledging something other than Florida State football and segueing into other topics uh, for the moment. Uh, we do have a football game tonight, not a great one, but we have one. And then, of course, a large slate of games on Thursday that I'm really looking forward to. And tomorrow is Redemption Thursday. There we'll it those is. Wages. I'm looking forward to that. Let's go. Me too. Uh, already starting to kind of settle in a little bit, feel better. We, you know, I don't like having the win in the back pocket. Because we had the win in the back pocket every week to offset any losses, like I had with Nebraska, uh, which was the Ravens preseason game, uh, which was an automatic win, and you could you could go one and one even if you just bet two games, you you, you were guaranteed uh, to get a win. Now we're we're into the real real season, and uh, that that fallback automatic uh, ATM that is Coach Harbaugh caring deeply in Baltimore uh, is is gone is gone now. Uh, but I, I will tell you, I'm starting to get a sense, and we're going to see a lot of games this Saturday, a lot of games on Thursday, obviously our game on a Sunday in prime time. By the end of this weekend, whatever hunches you had, good or bad, about teams will start to be a little bit more vetted and become clearer. Uh, you could You could find out. 100% that you're dead wrong about a guy or a team or a coach or a, a sense that you had, or you could find out, yep, you were under the tent of suspicion before this year began, and now you're firmly entrenched, eating comfortably, sleeping under that tent on a daily basis. I know exactly who you are, and a lot of people will be looking at a lot of games in that way this week just to try to clarify the air here, clear the air. Let's find out what's what. In the NFL, we had it done for us. And we did speculate in the offseason and as camp got underway that uh, if, if, if Mac Jones just continued to complete passes down the field beyond 15 yards from the line of scrimmage, there was a real good chance he could win that job because Cam Newton couldn't. He was one of the worst throwers of the football in the league last year. Statistically speaking, I think in many categories he was, along with Drew Brees. Uh, and so, you know, you would look at those numbers and you'd say anything 20 yards or more downfield, you're hapless. And that's no way to live, man. That's no way to live trying to play football where you become that predictable. So Matt goes in and takes that job. But, you know, you know what I thought about was crazy is you got a 70-year-old head coach and the guy competing with Mac to win the job 
refuses to get vaccinated, and here is the head coach with a double mask on. I think he made his choice a little bit easier when Mac threw the ball downfield a few times, and then also this guy well, uh, misses five days. Yeah, that's. I think that's the problem there. It, well, it's not about the the choice necessarily. Well, you know it's, why he missed five days? Yeah, because he didn't follow the damn protocol. Correct. Why are we having this conversation? Right. Exactly. Right, yes. At the most important week of yes, training camp, yeah, because yeah. that when you get the inter squad uh, <clears throat> practices, <clears throat> coaches like those practices more than they do the preseason without games. Without question, without question, they do. So the critical week in practice that you got to have somebody. Mm-hmm. He breaks the protocol. He doesn't follow what he's supposed to do, and so therefore, which it's something. I mean, I believe it's known much more than Dustin Johnson knew the rules of whistling straight. So they said, oh, we posted it in the locker room. (laughs) I'm pretty sure that every NFL player had to sit through, I'm sure, an exhaustive and boring PowerPoint presentation in which they were told, here are your choices. And he broke the protocol. They said it was a misunderstanding. I call BS on that. I think... He just decided not to you th- do something. You think they had a misunderstanding in New England? No, no chance. There is no way. No chance. There's no way. And that's the thing that's going on today in, in NFL media circles is like, well, how much is COVID influencing personnel decision making? A ton. Well, there have no- already been coaches that have been fired for not getting uh, the vaccinations. Also, you, would, you should know that he's smart. He's not going to dare tell the media that that is of course a contributing not. factor. Of course not. No, you can't actually say that. Um, even if it is, you you can't say that. And he knows enough to do to not do that. Whereas Urban Meyer, yeah, who, yeah. But I think you can because if you're seeing front offices around the league not retaining the services of coaches yeah, because I, they I, refuse to get vaccinated, no, and what's it, the difference between a professional player and a professional? No, I think coach? it's a wise idea uh, or wise choice uh, to avoid certain ling. Potential legal wranglings, uh, just to just, I think it's, solely base everything on. I don't care what the reason is. What I'm saying is, when you're talking to the press, the reason was he couldn't play. He right, was terrible, right. and I'm well, picking this. And guy. that's actually true, given what <laughs> Mac Jones is capable of doing. So it, it makes the decision all the easier. But the point is, for a lot of teams that have waived a bunch of players in the last few days, I mean, they had to really whittle down their rosters. Yeah. Yeah. The decision-making, and Tom Pelissero uh, reported on this this morning, saying the decision-making is clear, guys. If it's 50-50 and one guy's vaccinated and the other isn't, they're going to choose the vaccinated player because they can rely upon them more. And also, if you have a spread incident based on that starts with an unvaccinated player, you might owe another franchise millions, millions upon of dollars. Millions of yeah, dollars. Then it becomes about the so money. So we're all done here. Yeah, it becomes about the money at that point. We said that before. Yeah, When the, when the rules came down. Uh, you realize that. Uh, let's let's move away from that because that's never a fun conversation. Most people want to talk about the football, and the football itself uh, is is now in a place where I know you probably. Uh, let me ask you this: Did you get your Did you get your fantasy draft in? Is that the final check mark for you, or is it coming up? It's coming up. Okay. We wait till the last moment. Now we could probably move it a little earlier next year because the way the NFL preseason now works, you got a week and a half. Yeah, like it used to be that the Thursday game was preceded by some weekend fantasy. I think it's like the final Friday before the season, so it's Monday. It's supposed to be Labor Day night next Monday is my fantasy draft. Well, the reason I asked is I, I'm going to embark, I think, on a on a bold decision here for next year to be the first time in a long time. I think I'm out, man. I think I'm done. Across the board. I think I am. I think I'm... Director Matthew with a thumbs up. He's Mr. Fantasy Sports. I think I'm piecing on the uh, fantasy football starting next year. I've been in a league with a group of guys that I absolutely love, and you know most of them, uh, for a very long time. So it'll be a tough decision just based on camaraderie and love of those guys alone. But... When's your draft? uh, Next week. Next uh, week from today, I think it is. A week from today, yeah. 
Oh, well, you get mad every year because it's when you're on the PGA Tour Network seemingly every season. It is. Can they not do Wednesday drafts? Like, guys, I know you guys. Stop I, doing Wednesdays. I've said it for years. Clearly, they don't care about yours truly. They're like, screw it. We're doing Wednesdays just to piss Cameron off for here on out. Uh, yeah, no, tonight I'm on the PGA Tour show, and I'm looking forward to it. Um, myself and, and Trey Jones, head golf coach at Florida State. That's a fun show to do. Uh, and, and there's a lot. We're, we're coming down to the you know, obviously the championship tour championship. Um, and I've got a, tonight, I have a platform by which to brag that I had both players right, yeah. from the playoff yeah, from last go. week. Both players. Eighth place. It's the top 30 golfers in the world or, you know, in the PGA Tour FedEx Cup standings play this weekend. Eighth place will still net you a million dollars in this particular event. That's why you want to make the cut for this event. Eighth place, you yeah. come home with $1.1 million. You know what I laugh about? I laugh because they've tried to shape this as a the prestige of winning the FedEx Cup. No, it's the money. That's all. they don't care. It's players would much rather win a major than win this event. But the money of oh. this event is insane. And they try to prop up this course. That course is ridiculous. Well, I can't no, stand you East know Lake. What, you it know. is the redheaded stepchild compared to the prized child that is Augusta National just a couple hours away. I get you, and I understand why it bothers you. But I got to tell you, just from being inside golf these last several years, those people who you know, coach the game and play, can't disagree with you more. They love East Lake. They all think, they think it's oh. the greatest place ever. Jesus. If they heard you say that, they would—they might slap your face. They would be. I will livid. slap you. You don't you dare speak ill. Slapity slap slap. No, no, they can't. They they will not hear of it. Will you leave your glove on beforehand, or you unvelcro it before? Don't you speak ill of East Lake Country Club boys? Ninety-three-three Real Talk Radio War Chant TV. Like and subscribe and celebrate all the football. I'm going to hint to you already, Tom, that amongst tomorrow's Redemption Thursday uh, card selections uh, will be Louisiana getting the eight points against uh, Texas. Ooh, a little sneak preview. A little sneak preview. Feel good. And I also think uh, even though they play at a snail's pace, Texas A&M is going to lay the wood to Kent State and if you could get that, if you got that when I got it at 28, you feel good about laying it. good to know. Yeah, yeah, you're right. It is good to know. These are the things you want to know. These, are, these, yeah. Well, I, I'm playing A&M in a lot of wagers to the positive category, much to the chagrin of a lot of Noel fans. And I'm not a big fan of the way Jimbo left. In fact, I'm not at all. He quit on the job and was still being paid. However, just from a potato chip standpoint, I like where Texas A&M is positioned in the preseason. Watch them go 7-5. and five. After he gets the extension yesterday, but still. Yeah. Uh, you see that extension? There's no extra. Like, the buyout is still he could do whatever the hell he wants. <laughs> the Listen, the last contract made him richer than he'll ever know, uh, you know, what to do with and, and how to spend. And so anything they do now is, is somewhat irrelevant. It's just throwing money on top of money. And, you know, listen, when you get $75 million, it's, it's pretty well. But it didn't increase the barrier for a team to go in and, and poach him. You know, like again, you make the great point, which is they're loaded for the next couple of years. So why would you leave if Edo gets fired and go down to LSU if if you've got a bit of a reclamation project on your hands? But he, still, listen, uh, he he's not exactly locked into A and M. He could leave whenever the uh, the heck he wants. LSU's a special place to him. He's openly admitted that. I think that. Uh, 
obviously it's it's also in the SEC, which he loves, and it's an opportunity uh, that he has probably dreamt about off and on in his career uh, of someday returning to and being the head coach. But you really do have to measure and weigh uh, and, and take a lot of things into consideration when making a decision like that. A&M is committed in a way that uh, that everybody else who's ever longed to be a national champion in that conference is, like Alabama and Georgia and LSU, those other schools, uh, same with Florida, that money is not an object. The The destination to win a national championship is, is the singular be-all, end-all, and they're going to do everything they can to empower him to do that. I, I don't know why you would leave that. I, I don't. Unless you got a job like, I don't know. I mean, if you felt strongly about, let's say, our weekend's opponent, Notre Dame. Some people do. They get emotional talking about Notre Dame. Mm-hmm. I'm completely indifferent. But that doesn't matter what I am. The country watches Notre Dame. They do. And, and they go back. It's They are part of you know the original group of teams that people consider to be royalty in college football. So it was always thought for a long time that Urban Meyer would someday take that job because of where he grew up and the way he viewed Notre Dame. But, uh, you know, I don't know that I don't know that LSU's that job for him when you're at Texas A&M. So I, I don't I don't think so. So maybe a related question, maybe not. But will there be a coach in the next ten years who moves jobs, maybe within a conference, maybe within a division, and takes the ten best players with them because now you've got a free waiver for the next year? Like, could you just see? It's the end of any given Sunday, Al Pacino and Jamie Foxx. Except <laughs> there's like five other guys who are all studs and like. Come follow me. Yeah. Let's go down Let's, to Baton Rouge. Let's do this. You're going to love it. Doss, you know you want to go. Yeah, he would. Yes, he would. In a heartbeat. Yes, he loved it there. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, it's not other than seemingly annually or that's uh, not annually, but frequently you are now in the path of a hurricane there in Baton Rouge. Maybe, maybe A&M's the location. You know, maybe you just want to. Now, I don't think I'd like that. Uh, but, just far enough to the west. Yeah. <laughs> He's got a ranch with horses. He's got a ranch with horses. Uh, back to back to Florida State for a second. Uh, you know, I, I will tell you this. Have you noticed when they've asked Mike Norvell this week about that game? He he is like a kid. Because I did think about this last year. How bitter, maybe not bitter publicly, you would never state this, and you understand people are going through uh, the same thing, and in many cases – uh, much worse because they don't have the financial wherewithal to fall back on that he does. But, man, you get a job like Florida State to become the head coach of Florida State. You come from Memphis to get this job, step up to say the least in terms of cachet. And not one time last year do you get to run out of that tunnel with anything more than a glorified high school crowd in attendance. Like not, well, I guess the North Carolina game to some it extent. Right. Yeah, it was okay. Yeah. But, I mean – Nothing that resembles what it looks like at Doak when we're operating at peak efficiency and everybody's good to go and the doors are wide open for all who would like to attend to watch one of the great football teams in all the land play. He got no taste of what that was like. And so not only does he want, obviously, his players to have a chance to shine because they really didn't last year, but, man, just how finally he's been here a while. It's a time, a chance to come running out of that tunnel and see what it's like at night in a packed house in a high-profile game with a elite opponent. That he's probably barely able to contain himself, and yet he's got to focus on the the, the minutia, the finer points, the day to day, making sure his players are ready to go. But he's got to be really amped inside, almost like one of these kids. Do you feel like it's a game week yet? Oh yeah, you do. Yeah, I I felt that way, frankly last. 
Sunday after getting a taste of college football, uh, even as I watched the, the golf last week and as it was coming down to the wire and eventually went to six playoff holes and it was amazing, it was a lot of fun, it was a distraction, I, still as soon as it ended, I was like, all right, all right, well, that was cool. Can we get to some fo- – yeah, I am ready, big time ready. I just think that this is a bit of a science project. Yeah, I, I really want to see – how he's going to maneuver the pieces to give himself a chance. And Florida State is an underdog in a significant number of games. Vegas is, in essence, if you, especially if you look where the minus is, is in essence betting that Florida State wins fewer than six games. They're telling you this is a five-win team. And I want to see, because I think he's a good coach, I want to see what does he do to find a way in a couple of games – Think about the difference between five and seven and seven and five, what that looks like. It may not be much in terms of the statistics or the way they actually played, but the perception of five and seven and seven and five are very different things. And all you got to do is find a way to juggle the pieces enough and fool people enough in about two games where you're a slight underdog and you can get to that number. And I just want to see what he does. That's what good coaches do. It is what good coaches do. Now, sometimes you don't have the pieces, and that's a very different thing, and we're going to be watching closely to see if it's a physical thing. But I, I, I'm curious just to see, like, okay, did they, in that NC State game, in that Boston College game, in some of those type games, what does he do? Because that's how you keep that class. That's how you keep that class, and then you don't have to juggle as that's much. That's what this is. It's the journey to the class. <laughs> yeah, man. It's Jeff Cambridge, 93.3 Real Talk Radio and War Chant TV. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. couple things to note here for you. Two things going on. Uh, one of them is this Friday. The folks that listen to Seminole Headlines, if you want to swing by uh, and say hello and have a cold one and uh, celebrate the return of a season, uh, we're going to be at Horizons Bar and Grill uh, in Killarne, uh, Bannerman Square. Uh, and and that will be me and Ira and Corey and and Tom. I think are you swinging by? Yeah. Well, I'll be there. Cool. Yes. I'll be there. Uh, really, anybody, everybody's invited. It's not like you know, it's not exclusive. Just come on by. Uh, we're going to be there for a little while. Uh, Five thirty. Uh, probably grab grab some food. Grab a couple cold ones and a whole lot of smiles and welcome back. A little bit yeah. of fellowship. Yeah, you know, be good. Beautiful. And then on Saturday we have the uh, the big party that we we've been doing now for. I guess a decade, a little bit longer, something along those lines. It's the 10th annual. We didn't have a 9th annual, but screw it. You know, we're yeah. just skipping over it. That's why the logo looks the way it does. Yeah. 10th annual Libations uh, Friday Fest on a, on a Saturday this time around. Uh, brought to you by our fine friends at Metro Deli and the Corner Pocket Bar and Grill, as well as Warchan, of course. Uh, and we have, we have a lot of sponsors, frankly, that allow us to give away prizes at this thing. Uh, free T-shirts and koozies to the first 200 in attendance on Saturday. Again, 2 o'clock, Corner Pocket Bar and Grill, 2475 Appalachian Parkway. Turns into a game-watching party, really, more than anything else. It's our chance to say thank you. Uh, we, I've had uh, the good fortune of uh, loyal listenership and 
uh, speaking of fellowship, just getting to know a lot of people that listen to this show over the years uh, for a very long time now, and it's just a simple thank you. We'll have a la- raffle drawing at halftime of the Miami-Alabama game, uh, but more than anything else, if you guys are coming into town for that, swing on in. Real Talk Radio 93.3, Warchant.com, of course, Garnet and Gold, Corner Pocket, Metro Deli, uh, and then the 50-yard line seats That's is the it, big baby. prize that we're giving away. Yeah, from our friends at Zaxby's who are sponsoring Tallahassee Game Day this year, which will be uh, on Sunday this week, obviously, with a Sunday night game. We'll be on at 4 o'clock. But and, and the reason... Gift bags, by the way, for the first 50 Warchant subscribers at... Uh, uh, Saturday's party. That's correct. There's a little, yes, because you guys do extra for us, we're going to do a little bit extra for you. So remember, it's the first 200 people that get in the door at at 2 o'clock once they start distributing shirts. So get there early. Uh, You get shirts and koozies, and then, of course, uh, the 50 yard line seats. That will be the grand prize drawing at the halftime portion of Miami, Alabama. And that's the thing, man. This is where I feel like it's a game week. I can't wait to watch football with other people. That's what I'm looking forward to the most. Well, the game. Yeah, the game I'm most interested in watching that's not named Florida State-Notre Dame is, without question, the Georgia-Clemson game. Yep. What what mm-hmm. a game that is going to be. We are uh, right out the gates. You get a monster like that, and I just think it's an incredible matchup. Um, Preston uh, asks, Jeff, have you made any bets with the solar panel mogul yet? Uh, that's the, my man. Uh, who the people he goes back a ways, knows the story. So I've got to tell you something. Did you yes, run into the guy? I don't. I don't know. I don't know. Well, I can tell you what he looks like during the break. Okay. Well, this is what I wouldn't be able to tell you. I was driving home. I use the interstate these days because I live off of Mayhan. Mm-hmm. And uh, from here, I saw a bright red Kansas City Chiefs truck. Had a giant decal on it. Had the wraparound plate on Did it. Did it say anything to do with solar power or anything like that? I didn't see any solar panels no, on the truck. <laughs> I don't think no. This but it guy, was Chiefs red with Chiefs garb all over it. It was nice. Clearly, the person had money, so I thought, could it be? Is I don't know. I don't think the guy was a Kansas City Chiefs fanatic. He just we just bet on the over under. Oh, and win total. I thought he liked the Chiefs. No, I think he. Yeah, I mean, I think he he thought you know they're a fun team to watch, but I don't think he he wasn't a passionate Chiefs fan from the middle of nowhere Georgia. He was a passionate fan about uh, solar energy. That's what he was passionate about, Tom. But then he wanted to bet me because he knew I was a football guy. He has reached out to me, Preston, but not about new bets. Hour two, fourth coming. Stay with Jeff Cambridge on 93.3 Real Talk Radio and War Chant TV. 